Now that video clip really sucked. It's not as smooth as the one behind me. That was absolutely terrible, John. Yeah, I don't know why. I guess I could probably type and find out how fast my internet is tonight, but it should be good. Of course, we had internet problems today, so. I did. Convenient. I mean, I'm not knocking them too bad. Brandy was working at the house. 12.59, the internet went out. She went to lunch at 1, so she was able to flee with a good excuse as opposed to, I just don't want to be around you this afternoon, John. Because you have fleas? What? Yes. Oh, okay. Oh. So what's been going on, John? How are you doing tonight? No, I keep hearing we're not supposed to do any of this small talk stuff until the end of the show. Oh, okay, we'll wait till the but, end of the show. But I don't have it. We don't have small talk on the uh, Trello list tonight anyway. So, All right, well, um, welcome to No Driving Whoops. I can't complain. I'm driving sure? all over the place. No. So, get an oil change tomorrow morning. Got to be at the mini dealership at 7 a.m. So. Oil changes are very important. No driving gloves highly encourages oil changes in your car regularly. Well, somebody wants me to keep this car for a long time, so I have to change the oil in it. When you're only going to keep them for like a year, year and a half, 20,000, 30,000 miles, you don't need to change the oil. That's the next person's problem. I mean, really, that's true. I learned that from a previous boss. (laughs) Uh, we get a new town car every year, would not change the oil. He would wash it by backing it out of the garage into the rain. Yeah. I mean, actually, as long as you dry it off, there wouldn't be water. You know, if you keep the water spots off of it, it'd probably work. No, I don't think he dried it off either. Oh, well, then in that case, meh. It, it did hail one time and he did have to have the paintless dent guys uh, come out. That sucks. Well, we will be addressing tonight as our topic, just to let everybody know that once Derek and I meander to it, the way no driving gloves commonly does. Oh, hello, everybody who's out there watching us also. We'll get Um, He complained. I just put, um, you know, it's falling out of love. What to do or, you know. What happens when you fall out of love? Put your glasses on, John. With cars. Somebody said I should have put that in the title. I thought this way we would get some like hopeless romantics watching this show tonight. We're just trying to make that transition to no driving gloves after dark. Yeah, mm-hmm. uh, I wish I could. I wish I could do that late night DJ voice, Venus flytrap. First, I wish I could get the enthusiasm of Doctor Johnny Fever. Um, yeah, hey, how you doing? Yeah, that's good. That's great. Yeah. Uh, Toby, it is actually, well, we'll see where it goes. Um, uh, soft yes, we could use some soft saxophone music. Um, uh, let's see. Yeah. I think I might be able to do something. Nope. Uh oh. Uh oh. Asking ye shall receive. 
No, WKRP was. No, no. No, John. <laughs> <laughs> Too loud? <laughs> that was terrible. <laughs> well, I told you I All can't right. play the keyboard, but that's I've got like 10 different brass instruments. Okay, so moving right along. Yes, uh, Jason commented, Derek sounded like the ladies' man. We were talking about late-night radio shows. So, yes, I was attempting my best. There's a clarinet. No. Hey, I got Sounds like every like clarinet player I've ever known, though. <laughs> I got to give me 20 bucks out of this keyboard. <laughs> I could have bought the fancy one for twenty five. You know, I might actually be able to hook us up with some uh, some saxophone music. Actually, that could be written specifically for the show that we could have copyright to. I actually work with the wife of a legendary saxophone player. The wife of a legendary saxophone. Mm-hmm. He actually uh, he played in Doc Severson's band. He now uh, does his own own thing out on the road. Maybe we can talk about that. We do need some theme music. Yeah. So Toby wants to know if we're going to be talking about falling out of love with cars in general or a car. Yeah, he keeps asking. I would say if you are in love with a car, like one car specifically, this show is not going to help you, and you should probably seek therapy. Well, <clears throat> what's your bitch, Derek? Oh, I thought we the, the, the Trello board says we talk about the topic of what happens when you fall out of love c- with cars first. We brought up the yeah. Uh, oh, I'm sorry. That's the title the of topic. the show. Oh, wait, wait, John. My wait, bad. Host John. Oops, John's bitch. Yeah, it's John's bitch of the week. My Trello board was in the wrong place. Mm, see, we're all messed up tonight. Yeah. What was I going to bitch about today? Because, boy, did I, of course, have some again. It's going down the interstate. And I, you know, like to not pay attention. And... This I don't know. You can't. I came across like tree limbs in the right lane of the interstate, so I drove around them. Half mile down the road, came across tree limbs in the interstate. Keep in mind the trees are very, very far from the interstate that I was on. This continued on for about the next five miles until I caught up and passed the Dodge Ram pickup truck with the trailer with the bungee-corded-down tree limbs. Secure your damn loads, people. (laughs) That's all I can say. I mean, I did watch the car behind me run some over because he wasn't paying as close attention as I was. I did not hit any. But it just, it annoys me when people do that. I um, actually chased a guy down 20... It'd be 25 years ago uh, 
because he had nothing secure in the the trailer of his tr- that he was pulling behind. Ironically, his Dodge Ram, and I was driving a Dodge Ram with a windshield that was installed. Literally, I picked it up at the windshield shop and took off on this trip. And something blew out of his truck and shattered my windshield. And I followed him, talked to him at the antique store, which he kind of said, like, go to hell. And went out, proceeded to call the police. And they came and they ticketed him for an unsecured load. And he ended up buying me a windshield in the the long story short. Classic. This Tony Watley says I'm not supposed to say long story short because I just made the story longer. Now I've made the song story even longer. <sighs> so basically, lesson of that story is make sure you secure your loads because it is really annoying when you don't. Yes. And you risk damaging other people's cars, which is not cool. We were going to start our Christmas suggestions tonight, but I think we're going to push that off a week. Unless you have one tonight, Derek. I had a few, but I'm Um, kind of reaching out to a couple of people to see if I can um, get, I want to be honest, affiliate links or special links to purchase things. Yeah, I'm I'm good holding off. I had I had one, but right now I literally did not bring the paper that I wrote it down on with me, so I'm blanking on the name of it. So it's better to wait till next week. So we will be launching getting into Christmas season. And these are That's gifts right. That Before Halloween people. These are gifts we're suggesting you can buy for others. Uh the WKRP in Cincinnati box set with the original music. Oh. You can buy for me. And we're coming up on Thanksgiving, folks. No better time for WKRP than Thanksgiving and the turkey drop. Mm. Ooh, that is true. Mm-hmm. Nothing like a proper discussion of helicopters. Uh, yes, very important. Transportation related. Okay, do we jump into the topic? Because Let's jump into that topic. Both I feet think- first. Huh? Oh, both feet first? Heck yeah, clutching. I'm falling yes. out of love with cars. I've had this happen a couple of times in my life. I usually end up resorting back to them. Um, having a slower time this this time around, getting back into the swing of things. But I mean, I are probably really the first time is when I left White Post Restorations and I jumped into the conservation field. I just was tired of cars every day and then going home cars every day and then all of them in the driveway and you know at the time I had 13 cars and at any given point in time as our friends called us we were Euro white trash because it wasn't Camaros on blocks it was some sort of European cars or Lotus or something broken in the driveway uh her Jeep sat in the garage for a year, year and a half for me to change the radiator. I just, no interest in doing it. I stepped away for a few years and jumped back in and um, just the right thing presents itself. And that's kind of how I fix it. But it's, somebody said, 
Uh, if you do what you love for, for a living, you'll never work a day in your life. That person obviously didn't do what they'd love for a living, in my Clearly. opinion. Because you kind of have to step away from it sometimes. Well, I don't, I, I will tend to agree with that, John. But I think, I think if you maybe look at it a little deeper, maybe if you do what you love, you don't work a day in your life. But I, I don't know if that one is the issue. Because I think if you love your job, you're going to be happy. I think the bigger one is the people say, oh, you make your hobby your your job and, and you won't work and you'll be happy. I think that's the problem because you have to separate your work and your hobby. Because if it's work and hobby are the same, then like you said, it's 24-7. You go to work, it's cars. You come home, it's cars. You go to work, it's cars. You come home, it's cars. So it's it's more about you know, not making or having your hobby be the same thing. And I think that's where you and I both failed epically because <laughs> I think we both have a hobby of cars and we both had, have and had a profession in the automotive field, be it restoration and conservation uh, and the museum field. We have very similar backgrounds and very similar uh, foolishness of having the hobby of cars as well. I think if you, you know, if you, um, let's say you're, you're an accountant, right? And you love accounting and you, that's your job. You're an accountant, but typically you don't come home and make your hobby something in accounting. I mean, I'm sure there are some that do, but you know, I know accountants that they're not going home and, you know, figuring out what numbers they can crunch at home unless it's the weekend or something. They're trying to figure out their budget, you know, for the year, but for their personal life. But actually I know a number of car hobby guys and, and ladies that are accountants in their day to day. So I think doing what you love for a profession is okay. I like saying, you know, if you, if your passion is your profession, you're usually pretty happy. But have a hobby that is not the same as your work day or your profession because it will wear on you. And and I'm like you, John. I've I've given up on cars. I've come back to cars, at least in my personal life as a hobby. I've always worked in the automotive museum field. Uh, I've never left that field because of it. But certainly in my hobby and my personal life, there have been major downturns in the hobby part of the cars. And I'll be honest, I'm, I'm in a bit of that right now. I'm, I'm in a bit of a out of love funk, uh, with the cars and some of it plays with some of the issues, you know, that like, you know, the cable company cutting the underground line to my pole barn and still not having it fixed. Uh, you know, those little details where you just can't get out there and do anything, but, you know, it's also, it's just worn on to me now, worn on me now to a point of, uh, I don't, I don't find the enthusiasm of going out to the barn and working on the cars and, it, you know, life in general has kind of 
swung me into one of those low points. Yeah, and it's where the little things that can do that, whether it be cold weather or something just doesn't go go right and then you just don't want to walk back out into your shop or even sometimes look things up. I mean, I kind of, when my last automotive career ended, I was, I'll be honest, I was done. Um, I enjoyed the, the job. I enjoyed the place. I enjoyed most of the management. Uh, it's just, it was literally 24-7. If I, I went to work and it was cars and I came home and it was cars, kind of my stuff cars, but cars. But I would go to a car event and all they wanted to do was talk about work because I worked in a very public automotive business. And it just, you know, that's the way every conversation, you know, go to a car. Oh, what's going on at? How about, how's it going? You know, how's so-and-so doing? You know, where you been? No, it's always, so what's going on? And it really, I mean, it really took a, a chunk out. And I've been happy since I left. And the best thing that ever happened was finally walking out, struggling with the decision. But but I've said it before many times on the podcast was buying the mini. Um, It's kind of made it fun again. I still have some low points and I still haven't went to, you know, the old car club meetings or anything. And I've been talking to Brandy about it. And part of it is I'm out of the habit. Part of it is I think I just, the COVID thing, quite knock on wood, I have never got COVID. It just, it changed and you're so used to staying home. I don't want to go anywhere. I mean, I created the podcast as a way to kind of get away from cars. And of course I've kind of made that a little bit of business and keep pushing it a little bit that way as you and will know, pushing it a little bit harder, but it, you know, this to me is fun. It's, we get to chat about cars. I get to buy all this gear. I've got four or five different podcasts going through my head. A um, couple of things to do, a couple of things to try. I uh, talked about one on the cigar podcast I do. Talked about one of my ideas a little bit ago. So it, I've done what you've just kind of recommended. I've made a hobby that isn't cars, but now cars can be my hobby also because my day job isn't dealing with cars. I spend a lot of time in cars. I spend a lot of time in traffic and dealing with stupid people around me in cars. But, um, I, I'm finding that passion again, and I hope it's showing a little bit and keeping things moving and keeping things flowing and trying to be a little bit more enthusiastic, even though I got a depressing piece of news today about cars. Um, but do you, you see your current low, Derek, is a, uh, temporary thing or is it 
you know, and I know that ch- job change a few months ago was a big one that, you know, you've enjoyed where you were at, but honestly, I think where you've landed is much more your field because you get a play with the unusual. You and I like like cars, not one specific model, not one specific type, not one specific era. While we prefer eras and things, I think we can hold a reasonably intelligent conversation on just about any type of vehicle or any type of era. Um, you know, like you said, you're in this current funk. What what have what have you had in your past that were funks, and how did you slide out of them? Oh, that's a good good question, John. I mean, I'm sure this is just temporary, right? I've got. I've got a amazing wife that supports the idea of having these cars uh, as a hobby and she enjoys them. And I have two little kids that love to go out to the barn and, and play in the cars and pretend they're driving them and go for rides. So, you know, I, I know it's going to be a temporary uh, situation as, as things get figured out, but I think I actually remember probably the very first time i guess i would consider the falling out of love funk uh with cars i don't even know what brought it on necessarily but i remember i was in i was in college actually i was at uh, central michigan university and had i mean to a point i mean i started a car club uh, on campus it was actually a registered student organization at at central and actually started it with someone who is still a a friend to this day and actually works for Hemings Motor News as a a writer and editor. Great guy. And, uh, you know, he and I, we've gone through this too. You know, uh, we talk about going through funks, but I remember in college I had, you know, I had an apartment with a friend from high school and, you know, I had a lot of my car related stuff in my bedroom of the apartment. You know, he's, he's a car guy, more of a truck guy and and motorcycle guy. And, uh, yeah, we, so we had car stuff and truck stuff and motorcycle stuff all around the, the apartment. And I just remember one day looking around and I was like, why do I have all this crap up? And I literally took everything off the walls in my, the bedroom of the apartment that I, had and boxed it all up and had blank walls for months because I just didn't want to look at car stuff. I have no idea why uh, it happened. And, you know, I'm, I'm sure probably the next time I went home and got in the GTO and went for a drive, it kind of helped rekindle uh, that passion and, and need to have cars in my life. But I mean, it was, I guess, you know, that was 21 years ago. So, uh, you know, it ebb and flow, right? Ebb and flow. And, uh, you know, I I mean, Toby brought up something interesting a little bit ago. Toby's very, uh, very active in the comments tonight, which I love. Thank you, Toby. And, uh, you know, he, he mentioned here, and maybe I should save this for, for my, Derek's bitch of the week, but maybe we'll just make that part of this topic because 
Toby mentions here, I get so worn out with friggin' muscle car guys who cannot carry a conversation without having every word sound like talking a, about Melba toast in dazed and confused. But you know what, Toby, if you talked about muscle cars, be a lot cooler if you did anyway. Uh, but that was actually uh, something that's been kind of tearing at me lately, both professionally and in the hobby is the <sighs> narrow mindedness of some, uh, not even some, I guess it, maybe it's a lot of people in the hobby and, you know, getting so focused, like Toby says here, you know, the muscle car group or the, the, you know, whatever, like John, you just said, you know, the eras or the whatever it is, get very hyper-focused. And I mean, that's okay, right? I, I don't have a problem with being hyper-focused on one genre of car, one era or one type of car or even one make of car. That's fine. But what gets me is when those people that are so focused in those one areas and, and or in that one area or whatever it is, start attacking other people on, you know, because they're talking about general car history and information. And it just, it gets really annoying. And I think that's kind of what Toby's kind of moving at here is, you know, that it's just, some of us, John, myself, and there's a number of people, and, and especially in the, the museum field, when you're a professional in the automotive museum field, it's what I always say is I am not an expert on one specific automobile. I love the people that try to play stump the curator because you're going to. I'm sorry, you're going to stump the curator because I don't know every last detail about one car. I have to know a little bit of information about a whole lot of cars and how that all plays into the greater realm of automotive history and how the car has developed and transportation has developed over time. And I think that's one thing that's really been grating on me lately is, you know, the people that are just kind of like, well, you don't know anything, you know, and it's, it's every group that gets hyper-focused can get that way. And I think uh, it's okay to be hyper-focused. I have no problem. I, I said, and I said that yeah. I'm okay with it with the guys that love their Mustangs and the Mustangs rule all or the Camaros rule all or the Alfa Romeos rule all, or I'm a Ferrari guy. And that's why Ferrari's making an SUV because I can't have a Porsche SUV in my garage and things like that. Fine. But, and you can tell me how great your Ferrari is, and you can tell me how great your Mustang is. But when I show up in my Mini or my CRX or, you know, my Mustang to your Camaro or my Camaro to your Mustang or something, yeah, there can be a little bit of bickering, but it doesn't have to be this, I'm not ever going to talk to you again because you've got the, you know, wrong thing. I mean... I'm seeing Honda Goldwings mixed in with Harley Davidsons now. The motorcycle people are, you know, figuring it out. Um, why can't the car people figure it out? That we all enjoy, 
you know, we enjoy the hobby. Not all of us have the same passion. If we all loved Mustangs, what a boring freaking world it would be. You know, who would have the Mustang people have to argue with? You know, the only people that would get excitement are the doctors and nurses, you know, fixing all the people from crashing their Mustangs. I knew it was going there. Yes. (laughs) I've actually seen a couple of videos recently of that, you know, one Mustang just got the supercharger on it, turned out of, you know, they're filming it, turned out of the engine place, goes down the street, and not the Mustang's fault. Somebody turned in front of the Mustang, and he just plowed him. Oops, but it's still a Mustang. and It's still fun to make fun of it. You know, you're a big brass era guy. I kind of like my post-war sports cars and my Japanese things, and you harass me all the time about my mini trucks. But I understand, you know, you don't hate me because I like mini trucks. You're kind of disgusted by the fact I like mini trucks. But (laughs) A little bit, a little bit. I mean, yeah, I hate uh, you for I hate you for so many other reasons, John. It's not the cars. <laughs> no, I, I try to I try to give that. Um, what was uh, Toby said? He saw that video that I was just talking about, and he gets into is the car hobby really a hobby? You know, with most people talking about you get caught up in value and losing money and this auction and watching this at Barrett Jackson, and I don't. You know, we talk about some of the auctions and stuff here. We talk about car values because it's part of the hobby. But I don't obsess over it. You know, I we talked about uh, Tony Watley's uh, podcast last week, and I hope you were able to take a chance and go listen to it uh, where he's talking about buying cars. And he's doing it the way you should. Like I said, don't ever take financial advice from me ever take financial advice from me. Tony tells you how to do it right. Cars are well, a passion. I'm gonna, I'm, I'm gonna, I want to stop I, there because I, I I think I don't I don't agree a hundred percent with that statement that you're saying that Tony does it right. Tony no, you, 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 you need to expand finish. That. Tony you're, you're, Tony does it right as a business. Yes. Yeah. Yeah you're not letting me finish. Tony does oh, it right. He he makes money on it. I buy cars because I like them. I pick a number that I want to pay for a car. It's usually less than what I've seen them at market. And there's always, I've said it before, there's always three or four cars on my list that I'd like to have. You know, yeah, I'd love to have an F40. Yeah, I'd love to have a 959, you know, a Veyron, whatever. I'm never going to have those. Uh, not unless, you know, I start buying lottery tickets when I'm outside of Alabama. But, or somebody really, you know, goes to uh, nodrivinggloves.com support, you know, slash support and really gives us, buys us a couple of cup, couple thousand cups of coffee or joins our Patreon at a very nice level. Maybe, but, maybe, maybe one of our listeners could just accidentally put the decimal point in the wrong place. Just so, slip up. But we, uh, I, you sh- it shouldn't be about that. Yeah, you've got to pay attention to it or otherwise you end up, you know, 50 years and broke like me. But <laughs> I've had fun with my cars and I've enjoyed my cars. And yeah, I've got my ups and my downs and things with them. And, you know, I'll lose money on my Mini. Hell, it's a brand new car. I bought it at a good price. If I was to make money on it, I could have, the afternoon I bought it, I could have drove down the street to Carvana and they would have paid me 
over $1,000 more than my out-the-door out price that I had just paid hours earlier at the, the BMW dealership. But it's, you know, it's fun. It's a passion. And some people, some people are in it to make money. Some people are in it to watch their portfolio and do it as an investment. It's kind of like, to me, day trading. Hopefully, if you're day trading, it's a hobby and you're only doing it with money you don't have. It's like people say with crypto. Don't put any money in crypto that you cannot afford to lose. It's fun. It's like going gambling. People who gamble and do it responsibly. It's, you're having fun, but you know you're probably going to come out the door with a little bit lighter wallet than you went in. But it's, so I'm not, if it was all about the money, every car, you know, all 497 Buick Grand Nationals would have zero miles. Fortunately, about 25 of them were driven. The rest of them, you know, people put up and they saved them for the next guy and they saved them for the next guy. Why do that? If you've got something, you know, beautiful and gorgeous and fun, use it. Uh, you know, people always make that contrast to women and I think women could make it to men. Why have a gorgeous hunk of a guy? or a gorgeous supermodel, you know, as a girlfriend and not sleep with them. You know, what are you doing? Saving it for the next guy, you know, <laughs> or saving it for the, you know, it's same thing with cars. Have fun with them. Enjoy them. That's what they're there to do. If you make a couple of bucks, you make a couple of bucks. If you're doing it as part of your financial investment portfolio, really bad idea. But, you're not, it's it's not a car hobby then. It's a business venture. And that should be totally, to me, totally different than um, a hobby. A hobby, yeah. And that's, you know, it, it, going back to a couple of things you said, number one, it's kind of like this podcast as well. If you've got two, I mean, stud hosts like us, why wouldn't you listen? Don't save us for later. Listen, you know, where, where's the, where's all those female uh, uh, um, applications for guest posts? <laughs> so, but it's it, this is another topic that's been kind of in the vein of what I've already talked about, really grating on me lately, at least on the professional side of the career, but also a little bit on my hobby, you know, in in the the automotive <laughs> realm as well, and you know, Toby just mentioned that we need to get together and talk and we're going to, a, a lot of us are going to be seeing each other in, in a couple of weeks, the national association of automobile museums and actually world forum for motor museums conferences in about six weeks. So a lot of us are going to be getting together and uh, commiserating over probably some alcoholic beverages at the bar. So, but the monetary side of this can really irritate me at times and and right now i think i'm finding myself irritated by it because not only i mean it's a if it's a business thing like like what uh tony uh watley talked about on his podcast i get that i get that there's a business out there uh that is doing this but what really 
bugs me is when it crosses a line into the number one, the automotive museum field, uh, but also into the hobby a little bit because what you see happening and the reason I'm complaining about this is because I've heard it way too many times in my career so far when a museum will acquire a car and you get the keyboard warriors going out on the social media posts that it, you know, the museum acquired this car and, you know, we're, we're really happy to have it in the collection. And the first comments are, well, that's not an important car. Why would you need that? Why would, there's, you know, there's so many other important cars out there. And then they list the more important cars and the only reason they're listing those more important cars, as they call them, is because they are the cars that are at that time worth the most money and only the highest end collectors, people like Jay Leno and um, Bruce Meyer and, uh, you know, name the, the big names in the collecting hobby right now are going out and buying them. And that's what makes that important because it's valuable and, you know, the rich collectors are buying them. That doesn't make it important. That makes it a valuable car monetarily. Historic importance is much different. Yes, I will admit a Type 57 Atlantic Bugatti has importance. But it, the only reason that people are familiar with that car and feel that it is, oh, this great car that, you know, you know, every museum needs to try to have one because, oh, my gosh, they're, oh, oh Jay Leno would own one and, and this person and that person. That's not what museums are out there for. And it's, it's not what some of us in the hobby are trying to collect for. What we're interested in is historic significance. And I will put up any day a conversation that a Dodge Caravan is more important in the history of the automobile than a Type 57 Atlantic Bugatti because the, the minivan changed the world and is the reason we have modern SUVs to this to today. There's a difference. And when that difference and that line gets blurred, it really, really makes me want to give up. Well, you just gave me a show idea, which would be interesting. And that would be what the, and don't, don't answer this too in depth. Okay. What vehicles <laughs> would you put in a museum? Because I think we're going to do a show this way that are the most impactful to the history of the automobile. I don't care if they exist still. I don't care if they were drawings by Darwin. Um, <laughs> If it's, you know, you say the minivan, I say the Pontiac Aztec. Mm -hmm. And, you know, you're right. A, um, why can't I think of what I'm talking about right now? I'm thinking of Bugatti, too. You had one up at uh, Henry Ford, white car, big thing, long thing. Bugatti um, Royale? Yeah, the Royale. They're cool cars, but they made a statement, but did they change automotive history where they, you know, they were the biggest and baddest of that category. Um, 
you know, a Porsche 959 had an impact. A, a, uh, a first generation NSX had an impact. But, you know, it's, let's make that a show topic. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Jason commented, isn't the Type 57 the precursor to any sports car of today, just as the minivan is to the SUV? Not, not really. Sports cars were around before the Type 57. The Type 57 was a technological, Bugatti was a te technological advancement to the automobile. Every, I mean, Bugatti did amazing things. So, but it's it's where, in in my opinion, as a museum curator and as someone who is more interested in the hobby of collecting, uh, you know, historically relevant automobiles or just interesting automobiles, there's a line that has to be drawn. And yeah, but I'm I would not be one that says that the Type Fifty Seven is the precursor to any sports car of today because you had a number of sports cars prior to that. I mean, the first, as I recall, I think I just, I was just talking to somebody about this the other day. The first use of the term sports car in the United States, I, I don't know Europe yet, uh, but in the United States has been tracked, at least as far as we can tell so far, was in a newspaper article in like 1919. Uh, my guess, I, I haven't found that yet, but my guess would be it was probably in reference to a Mercer uh, here in the U.S. because Mercer raceabouts were one of the prime sports cars of America at that time. Uh, you know, but there have been, I, I mean, really, if you go back in, in Europe, the, the 1904 Mercedes is often considered really the first advent of the sports car. Uh, because of its horsepower and its capabilities and everything that was engineered behind it. So, you know, the Type 57, albeit a, a technological advancement, a beautiful car in design, precursor to sports cars, uh, I, I, don't, I don't know that I would agree with that. Maybe the precursor to super car, I don't know. It's, it's a hard one. Well, I had to type in what you just talked about, the first use of the term sports car. Wikipedia, so take it for what you wish. It was first used in 1919 in the United Kingdom. Maybe it was the United Kingdom, not the United uh, States. The, it's my the, the time In the Times newspaper, uh, the first use of the term in the United States was 1928. And... That says sports cars started to become popular in the 20s, uh, originally used for two-seat roadsters. But I think I'm with you is that I thought Mercers were kind of referred to as sports cars in the teens. And um, the Model T Speedsters and things like that. So those are the earliest things. Maybe the term, who cares when the term came out? I mean, you look at the definition of what a true sports car is, these cars have existed from the earliest days of the automobile. You know, it's kind of the, what is it? Once the second car was built, we, we, we invented automobile racing. So it's the same thing. It's, 
Well, and and go go back to that with the the business side of this, and and I think we've talked about this on the podcast before, but another perfectly relevant time to bring it up. Who is saying that a certain car is the precursor to something, or is is the you know definitive line? Is it someone who is not connected to the financial side of that vehicle? Or is it someone that is directly tied to the financial value of that vehicle who stands to make money by making that vehicle more important, therefore driving the price up on that vehicle? That is the big trick. And that's where in the museum field, if you're on the ethical side of the museum field, and John knows this and I know this, and John kept a very uh, uh, professional and separated life. But if you are a, a if you are employed by a 501c3 nonprofit and you are in the field of automotive museums such as I am, I don't ever discuss giving a valuation on a vehicle to someone because it could look like I as a museum employee or a representative of a said museum, I'm trying to drive up the value of something. And there's actually tax laws that prevent us from doing that. You know, as a, as a nonprofit, we cannot give a valuation on a vehicle that is being donated to our institution. Number one, unethical practices, but number two, it, it keeps it honest. And that's, that's where you have to be careful, in my opinion, who you're listening to. Because if you're listening to the person that owns the car and is getting ready to sell it, they're going to do everything they can to drive that price up. They're not concerned with what true automotive history might be. Uh, where did uh, Jason talking about uh, would rather have a sports car? Um, nobody writes songs about caravans. Well, it's hard to be cool in a minivan by the Oak Ridge Boy. Minivan by Eric Orton. Minivans, Doughboy. Um, hey, Little Minivan by Austin Lounge Lizards. Oh, yeah. Uh, Rolling in the Minivan by Cuckoo Kang's Roo. So. Oh, man. Cuckoo Kang's Roo did one? Yeah. Dude, I have their albums. I must have missed it. I was trying to see here. Let's see here. I pushed the wrong button. There's too many buttons here. You know, it's actually actually very interesting. I li- and this is you know, one of the things I like about the show because uh, Toby uh, you know, and, and uh, Jason are making great comments tonight. And But as Toby knows, you know, in the NAM organization just a couple of years ago, we actually at one of the conferences had a presentation on this. And uh, uh, the the group that was making the presentation actually sent out a survey to a number of muse, automotive museum employees asking them what their top, I, I think it was top five, maybe top 10, Toby might jump in here and, and comment, but uh, you know, cars were, what were the most impactful automobiles? And we did a whole seminar on this and what we as an as a organization of auto museums and and historians all would pick and, you know, 
Toby's listing them out here. But like you said, John, I think we want to hold off on that discussion and, and make it a bigger show. I, I had some inputs from uh, inside my studio too. And you know, we're definitely going to make that into a, uh, what do I want to say? A show. So how do you fall back in love with the automobile? Get on No Driving Gloves podcast and there we go. We are rolling in the minivan. We're rolling in the minivan. Rolling in the minivan. We're rolling. Now you you said you had that album, right, Derek? <laughs> yes, yes, totally do. Uh, <laughs> and uh, we do not own the rights to that music, and we're likely going to get sued by the. Oh, we'll get a takedown notice. Coo, coo. I will edit it out of the audio podcast. (laughs) Oh, we just can't monetize the YouTube video. Okay, boom. Uh, What were we just talking about? Oh, how, how, so, so what do you do when you fall out of love with the automobile? You get on no driving gloves and you have a conversation like this and you get all fired up about it again. I'm, well, Toby's most recent comment, it's the it's the BS, it's not the cars. It's the BS that drives you nuts. And that's kind of, I want to kind of agree with him there because it's the Viper Club saying, it's the Porsche Club saying, it's the cars that brought us together. It's the people that keep you coming back. But it's also the people that make you go away. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there's a reason, you know, there's a reason me as a teenager didn't go to a lot of the Saturday night cruise ins because people didn't like my Honda. Uh, they wanted their 57 Chevys and their, you know, 64 Impalas and things like that. They wanted their big cars and their, their 60 stuff. I was wrong. And I've made it a statement through my whole life is that you want to get kids involved in the hobby. You want to keep, keep this thing rolling and keep, keep this interest alive we got to quit playing Beach Boys. We have to start playing Motley Crue. And now we probably need to start playing Britney Spears or I don't know who's current now, Taylor Swift, at car shows. Uh, you've got to keep... A little bit of every generation. Need some need some Eminem in there, you know, some some Backstreet Boys, bring it up, you know. Just some, think of what ha- would have happened to the world if the Cuckoo Kangaroo were played at more car shows. Exactly. You have rows of minivans there. Mm-hmm. which uh, that was the depressing piece of automotive news I saw today is that um, Dodge announced today or Stellantis announced the Dodge Ram ProMaster City um, will cease production by the 2023 model year, which is the last of the commercial minivans and Ford, Tra- Ford Transit Connect was killed a few months, a few weeks ago. The Metris was killed a few weeks before that. Nissan cut cut out the NV200 about two years ago. And of course, Chevrolet left the market in 2018. So, no more commercial minivans. And boy, am I kicking myself for ever selling my Transit Connect. <laughs> I should have kept that thing. You know what? If there's no minivans, let's just let's just go to electric self-driven pods. I'm just 
I'm over. Well, that's the hope is that electric will bring back the minivan. But there won't be room for passengers. Podcast I was just listening to. Um, he went to where he stores his cars in California, L.A., Santa Monica, and right next to where his storage was was this row of cars that included the new electric VW bus. So maybe we'll uh, maybe we won't have to ho- hold out too long because I do believe is it the ID four? Is that what that's called? It was ID something. I think you, I, yeah, think, I think it might be ID. That's not that far away. Yeah. But damn it, we didn't make it through a show without saying electric cars. Oh. Well, but we have to clarify that. Is it is it only that we can't talk about modern electric cars? Because historically, they're kind of important, especially early on. Well, we'll discuss that in our... Um, Oh, inventory yeah, yeah. of car museums. Mm, good. And if you have input on that, I'm going to take some of the notes out of the comments here today. And uh, I just read Toby's comment here and I didn't see to Jason. No, Jason didn't see that. <laughs> so, um, now I totally lost my tra- train of thought. We'll Wait, save what? that for if you wanted to sig- provide suggestions for what are the influential cars that should be in our value, no object, don't care if they're worthless, you know, museum of influential cars. But Derek, you were saying, how do you fall back into love with cars? Yeah, how do you? Come on, John. Me? Op- open-ended question. Looking for answers. I was perfectly happy doing the conservation work I was doing, say, when I, after I left White Post and I got, went to Conservation Solutions. And, you know, I was, you know, I was restoring some pretty cool shit. You know, Saturn V rockets, Titanic artifacts, historic landmarks in D.C. and throughout the country. Wasn't, you know, a crappy job by any means. But all of a sudden... I like Lotus, and there it was. You know, the mecca of Lotus. If you're going to get back into cars, and you're going to get air into Lotus, there's really, at the time, one place. Now there's two places. Um, Lotus Engineering has a pretty good um, office up in Detroit now. Um, that's kind of what did it. That's what got me back into it, and it was very passionate for a long time. And like I said, by the end of it, it was people always talking about things around me and not uh, me. And it gets that way. There's also some narcissism and some arrogance and stuff that came with that job that wasn't very healthy. But I stepped away from it. And like I said, now I'm beginning to really get back into cars. I've started to find a little bit more passion even for this podcast and that since I stumbled across this many a year ago. Um, People around me didn't want me to buy it. I'm so glad I did. I'm where I am today with, you know, the passion for this podcast. Uh, Technically, she kind of admits that it was the mini in my online dating profile that pushed her over the edge, you know, after looking at this wonderful dad bod and picture of my reclusive dog. 
Um, Wait, you're you're talking about the mini, the car, right? Yes. Okay. Yeah. But it it's things are very similar to the mini because footlongs do come into play. Okay. So, you know, original minis had those twelve inch diameter wheels. Mm-hmm. That's exactly so, what we we're talking. But that's about. you know that's how it's happened. I don't go seeking to get back into the car hobby. Something comes along, and you know I slide back into it. And it's taken a little bit longer this time, but I, you know, I'm very disappointed. I'm not going to be able to do a, a drive at the end of the month because of just scheduling. But I enjoy, you know, I can't say that, like I said, I can't tell you what makes it happen. It's just one day you wake up and, hey, I'm having fun again. Um. Yeah, I mean, that's it's very true. And I, I agree with Toby, too. Toby made a comment uh, and it, he just basically said, get in a car and drive. Just do it. Get get beyond the, the BS. Go alone. Get in a car or a truck and just drive. And it is you, you get in one of the cars and you drive and you clear your head. And, you know, it it's for those of us in the hobby and those of us that have the passion, it's it's exactly what we need sometimes just to clear our head, forget what everything else is going on and just reconnect with the automobile and yeah, find that passion again and, and find that love for the vehicle. And you know, that's probably one of the, the things that's got me a little down in a funk right now. Yeah. I can go to work and, and there's cars that are, you know, 560 cars in the collection and probably close to uh, 470 plus of those are running driving cars that you can just go get in and drive around the back parking lot. But, you know, my own vehicles, each one has a small problem right now. And because I don't have power in the barn, it's hard to go out there and work on it and get it fixed and all those things. And, yeah, that might be one of the things bringing me down is I can't just come home on a weekend and jump in the the Chrysler and, you know, living on a, a one and a half lane back road with no traffic, you know, kids sit in the back seat and we drive, you know, down to the neighbor's driveway, turn around, come back, go to the other neighbor's driveway, turn around, come back and they get or we just drive around the yard because we do have enough room to drive around the yard and they get a kick out of it. And right now I can't do that. And so that might be part of it. You know, that funk is just not being able to get in the car, reconnect with the passion, find the love again, and, you know, find that happiness that is is there when you're connected to the vehicle. Yeah, Toby, see, I, last time I really got, fell out of love with cars, you know, I bought my Transit Connect because it's kind of cool and I had some customizing ideas for it sold it, sold my SHO, and to be honest, bought a Mazda 5 minivan because I tried to become practical. And then I ended up with a Fusion, and of course the Fusion became the Mini. It just took a little bit of time to get back to it. So I didn't even have the fun car to go out 
you know, and drive and enjoy. And now I keep, you know, heard Farah talk in the last two or three episodes about the new Corolla GR and, um, yeah. But, so, so, it's, nothing's going to make you do it. You're not going to make yourself fall back into love with cars. It's circumstances around you make you lose, lose the passion, but I think when you're as car as I am and Derek is, and I mean, even Will's had his ups and downs with uh, the automotive hobby. We still have a, what's the old saying, motor oil in our veins or whatever. Um, it's eventually going to percolate back up. It's just um a series of circumstances. So what I've noticed a lot in the comments is everybody in the comments has admitted to being car people and has admitted to going through these lows. And I don't think car people are exclusive. I'm sure people who bowl go through lows where they don't want to bowl and people who golf, the same thing. And whatever your hobby is, I'm sure we all have our highs and our lows. But something will potentially make that come back. I just think I see it more often with car people or motorcycle people or boating people. They That mechanical stuff comes back. I know a lot of people that are passionate about golf that lose their interest and never pick up a club again. So. Yeah, it's not, yeah, it, it's not unique to <clears throat> the car hobby. It's it's probably something that it happens in every single hobby there is. And, you know, you just lose interest for a while and then pick it back up. And I mean, even, you know, I know from people my I know, I mean, even my 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 dad, you know, he much like me was a musician when he was a kid. He, you know, when he was younger, he learned to play guitar, uh, you know, sang, did those things. And. <clears throat> He didn't do it for a very long time. And I remember when I was uh, probably in my early teens, he got a guitar again and took lessons again and started playing again. He still plays to this day. You know, I played trombone all the way up into early college. And, but I will say it's been probably, you know, picking it up and playing it in earnest and, and actually playing a full song or something like that it's probably been since early college since the last time I've done that or played in a band setting. Other than that, it's been uh, the frequent get the trombone out and play a scale or two and then go, how oh, wasn't that fun and put it away. Uh, just no time. And, and uh, trombone solos on your own uh, sitting around aren't that exciting. I'll, I'll have to say that's quite boring actually. So, uh, but it's, 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 I think it's just common. We all kind of have our passion and sometimes we go, huh, I wonder if, wonder if there's something else out there I could do for a while. And take a break. Yes, Toby, you should. Ooh, Toby. Yeah. We could, we could start the Nam band. The damn and Nam band. Mm -hmm. And Toby, 
I'm not going to talk it about about it on this episode because I'm not going to ruin my uh, my seminar uh, for uh, the World Forum NAM conference. But you're going to see a big, big part of why uh, for the last few years I slip in and out of you know questioning things about the hobby i'm going to talk about some stuff i i've not talked about in the past and uh, that happened in my career and uh you know we'll talk about it maybe on the show after that so yeah i just wanted to get out and talk about this a little bit openly because like i said people in the comments have admitted that wow if Derek and I go through it, they don't feel so different. It, I say, we all go through it. It all happens. I don't think we're going away in the near future. We'll find out 15 minutes after the show. <laughs> but, uh, but we'll, uh, we got a couple, got a show topic out of this. We got another show topic already lined up for next week. Um, couple of interviews coming up. So no drivinggloves.com. Everything's there. No driving gloves uh forward slash support. If you uh feel you know we provided any value or entertainment for you tonight. Um I think are we still are we sorry John I'm gonna jump in. Can they still leave us a good review? They can leave us a review. I don't push for reviews because, to be 100% honest, have you ever found a podcast by reading a review? And they don't matter. I don't care. Every podcast consultant, Apple, okay. Google, yeah. all those tell you reviews don't matter. Every podcast tell you reviews matter. It's kind of social proof make us feel better. Hey, I... If I'm talking to one person, if I'm talking to two people, or if I'm talking to a thousand people, I don't care. I'm going to talk to them. So my voice will be here talking about something. So it's kind of like this podcast. The hosts don't know what they're talking about, and the topics don't matter. Wait, maybe that's actually vice versa. Kind of like, uh, I don't know. Did I say that well, the points don't matter. Uh, the points don't matter. That's what it was. Uh, love all, drive all, and go from there. That's a good like way it. to close it out tonight, Toby. You've been very helpful tonight in your comments. Thanks for keeping the discussion going. Uh, we want videos of that uh, trumpet and Nam and Derek, no matter how it's played. Ooh, I could, I don't know, was it? My um, keyboarding earlier, Toby, that got you thinking about air supply? Oh, Lord. <laughs> okay. With that pun, um, which is now on the screen, I'll talk to everybody next week. Uh, uh, just bye.